Hi, and welcome to Definitely Human. This is your host, Katie Pelletier. Today's episode will be the conclusion of Aiden Kirchheim's interview, where he will talk more in depth concerning his transition and his volunteer work at PFLAG. Last week, we discussed Aiden's brother, Michael, and his struggle with addiction and eventual overdose, Aiden's family's dynamics, childhood trauma, and coming out story. We left off with Aiden describing his passion for passing on a brighter future for the younger LGBTQ plus generations. So if you're feeling comfortable, would you mind just talking a little bit about how you went about actually transitioning? Like what, what was that process? I know for a while they were hiring therapy before you could do a lot of transitioning prescriptions or surgeries, anything in that realm. <clears throat> yeah, I, I started going to therapy for that reason in, uh, I guess, 2012. I didn't have a letter. That's what it was. I had to get a letter for surgery. I didn't have a letter for hormones because I was over 18 and I went to a clinic in New York City where they didn't require you to have one. Mm. So I started hormones in 2013 in April. I made my appointment in February, maybe, maybe March. Um, I made the appointment and then I told my parents. Uh, I, I needed that personal accountability so that I knew that I would still go because it was booked. I mean, everyone knows you can cancel doctor's appointments, but it was more of a placebo thing for me um, because I knew that my mother was gonna lose her mind. And I knew that she was gonna do everything in her power to push every one of my buttons to keep me from going to that appointment. Lo and behold, that's exactly what she tried to do. She, she went berserk. She was screaming at me and slamming cabinet doors in the kitchen and just, this was like, it was the worst thing that had ever happened to her in, in her entire life. And maybe everything that had built up in her for who knows how long came out. Um, and because I know my mother and I, I knew her, you know, I knew that she does the knee jerk reaction and she does the worst thing. That's always the first thing right out of the gate. You know, how can Sarah still love you? Right. I had been through this already. So I knew what was coming. I wasn't really surprised. I went anyway. And I started hormones, like I said, in April of 2013. And then then I started going to therapy because I knew I would need a letter to try and get my top surgery covered, my, my full mastectomy chest reconstruction. Mm -hmm. I knew that I wanted to get that covered because, you know, that can be tens of thousands of dollars. Yeah. Um, and I, I wanted to do everything in my power <clears throat> to find someone who took insurance to find someone that could put in the claim for me so I didn't have to do it. I, I, I knew I wanted to do all these things. So I started going to therapy. And then I got my top surgery in January of 2015. So I had, I went from double D's to nothing. And wow. it was- that must've been a relief. <laughs> arguably <laughs> the, the best day of my life. <laughs> Um, I would say my, my wedding was the best weekend of my life. Cause we made a long weekend getaway out of it with our friends up in uh, Pennsylvania. 
Um, but surgery, top surgery was the best day of my life, probably, I would say. And as I had said, my mother's view was, I will never financially support you in this. However, Sarah's mother, when I told her that I was going to get top surgery, she said, you tell me when, and I'm coming with you. Aww. So she took off work and she came with us. It was in Massachusetts. I got my surgery That's done. Sarah, by the way. <laughs> I, thought, I know. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Yeah, we weren't worried about her mom at all. We were a little worried about her dad, but not her mom. So yeah, she she came with us. Oh, it ended up, I got the letter. It went through insurance. They put it through. It got covered. The only thing I had to pay was for, I got a liposuction on my hips because I've always had, I always had baby bear and hips. And she, the plastic surgeon was like, oh, well, why don't you just like lose a little weight? And I was like, I was 150 solid muscle in high school. And I have always had these hips. They are not going anywhere. So that's all I had to pay for. So I had to pay my deductible and I had to pay for lipo. So instead of paying, you know, tens of thousands of dollars, I think I paid like three grand, three or four grand. Um, and you decided not to have the bottom surgery. I have not had bottom surgery. And, you know, transition is different for everyone there. You know, I have a friend who says there are as many ways to transition as there are people who are transgender. Some people take hormones, some people don't. Some people get surgeries. Some people don't. Some people change their pronouns. Some people don't, you know, it's all about personal preference. So for me, bottom surgery is not on my list. I just, I just don't have um, dysphoria about the bottom half of my body. I'm, I'm kind of good how I am. There's also, you know, this, this is might be old information. Bottom surgery for people who are transitioning from female to male is not yet perfected. Um, bottom surgery for people who are transitioning from male to female, it's it's pretty damn good the way that it is. Mm. They they've got it down pretty pretty well. They've got it. It's a lot. E <laughs> it's a lot easier to make a hole than make a pole. I was just yeah. <laughs> you said it much better than I was gonna. <laughs> yeah. So that's much more concise. There's and and <laughs> the last the last time I checked, you know, bottom surgery. There are there as in, with any surgery, there are just tons of complications. What could happen, and the chance of losing all feeling is not an option for me. I I do like sex. <laughs> I do like feeling below the belt. So I, I I'm you know, and I've had hormones do a lot of things to your body as well. Hormones will change quite a bit. You know, my voice dropped. My dad thought I was sick for like three months because my voice was cracking. He's so innocent and sweet. I just love him so much. Um, <laughs> but for like three months, he's like, "Why wow, you still got that cold. And I was like, I sure do, bud. Um, and so my voice dropped, you know, obviously like a lot of secondary sex characteristics, like my facial hair and my body hair has increased and things like that. Um, but also my, my clitoris has grown and is that's, you know, a normal side effect of testosterone. So sex has, well, sex has kind of always been the same for me, but the idea of not being able to get off anymore is very saddening. And I would really rather not risk it. But aside from the mental, aside from my mental thoughts about it, it's also just that, you know, I'm good. I'm good how I am. And, you know, some people want that and some people don't. So I, I you know, I can't pee standing up without, you know, a device but honestly, I, I don't care. I just sit when I pee in the men's room and if people judge me, then they judge me. And what am I going to do? 
and obviously I'm, I'm passing and, and or blending, you know, people like to say blending instead of passing, because you're not tricking people, right? You're just living in society. So I, I blend much better than I used to. Although I have gotten misgendered here more in Vegas than back in New York. People will still really? see Sarah and I, and they'll be like, oh, ladies. And she's like, really? All right. And I, I don't really care, right? It doesn't, I, I'm past the point where that, I don't know if it's past the point. I personally have never cared too much about pronouns. Like my parents, my parents and my family, like my brother always got a pass. Always, if they use the wrong pronouns, they use the wrong name, I don't care. You know, my brother introduced me as his sister at a bar once and the person next to him was very confused. Um, <laughs> so, but I didn't, I, I didn't care. That's not, that's not the hill that I personally, you know, am going to die on. That's not my battle. So that has never, you know, my parents named me, they, they called me she for 20 something years. You know, it, it happens. They're going to slip up. That's okay. I'm not, uh. I'm not too worked up about it. Yeah, bottom surgery is just not not currently on my list. I, I a full hysterectomy is on my list. That is definitely on my list because right now I am. Let's talk about hormones for a second. Mm. So the human body produces both estrogen and testosterone. Everybody's body does that. Uh, Ninety nine percent of people's bodies do that, right? So. Right now, I am simply ingesting just enough testosterone to override the estrogen that my body is producing. And everybody's dose is different. You go in, you get blood work, you do tests, they give you a dose, you try the dose. Sometimes it's too much, sometimes it's not enough. There's a lot of regulation that happens with hormones. It's all very controlled and very monitored and very structured like me. Um, so everyone's dose is different right now. I am taking, you know, X amount to can essentially cancel out the estrogen. When I get a full hysterectomy, which will remove my ovaries, I will be producing even less estrogen, which will then lower my testosterone dose. So, um, and also I still get cramps, I still basically go through PMS every two weeks because I do my shot every two weeks. So I'm up constantly every on a roller coaster. Every two weeks? Yeah. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm on a roller coaster of hormones, baby. It is not great. So it's very difficult, uh, you know, combined with anxiety and, and depression. And like we said, most likely ADHD. And from some other things that I experience, I think some level of autism, um, it's great. <laughs> but hormones are usually, I would say, people's first medical step if they decide to transition medically. That will that will usually be their their first step. Sorry, I ranted a little bit there. No, no, this is this is so good, Aiden, because I think the more people can understand about the process, the more it doesn't seem like. And I, I hate to even use this word, but I know that's how coming from a background like this it's it's like an icky thing you know what mm -hmm. i mean it people is end. it is it's a thing that people don't want to talk about it's a thing that people but if you don't talk about it right it, okay so most people are ignorant about the trans experience and i use the word ignorant in 
specifically the definition of ignorant, which is lack of information. That's all that it is. You know, calling someone ignorant because they're, you know, they're racist is, is another level of ignorance. And I, I acknowledge that, but when I say it, I am strictly saying lack of information. So people fear what they don't understand. So the more that people ignore this and don't learn about it and don't know about it, the more fear and, and, you know, unsurety and, and negativity is going to spread around that subject. Yeah. You know, it's, it, we have to, we have to have people who are willing to talk about it. And I'm, I'm happy to be one of those people. You know, I don't, people say, how, how, lamb. yeah, I mean, but, <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's, I guess it's just the drive to make things better for next generations. It has to be better for them. We have to do more to make it better for them because I, I don't want people living the way that I lived. I don't want people to have to go through what I went through, you know, and that's, that's everything people paying, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars for an education. There's just, it just has to be better. So this is my, one of my main aspects for helping to, you know, progress and make things better for, for the younger generations, because somebody paved the way for me too. Stonewall was a riot. You know, they, they walked so we could run. It will always be because of trans women of color that we can exist the way that we can today, the way that we can be out in the open and the way that teenagers now can just say, well, I, I'm trans or I'm gender fluid. And people are like, okay, mm -hmm. that's the only reason we can do that is because of trans women of color. And I will never stop saying it, but there ha we have to keep fighting. We have to keep educating. We have to keep, you know, letting people ask these types of questions that they think are too much or too far because otherwise no one's going to answer it. And it's just going to be this closed bubble community that's full of, it's just going to be an echo chamber and we can't, you know, we can't have an echo chamber. We have to, we have to expand. We have to get more people in the community. We have to get more parents and grandparents who understand and support, you know, we need all the allies we can get. So this is how I contribute to that. Yeah. And I mean, that brings me to another question is you've described how your parents reacted and it sounds like the antithesis of what a parent probably should do. <laughs> um, to just be blunt about it uh, when their trans child comes to them. So what, what in your mind would be the perfect kind of reaction that you'd want to see from parents? And I know it's different in every situation. If you could tell parents pretty much like a step-by-step -step thing you think that would be helpful in that situation, particularly for parents who feel ethically bound to say, I don't agree with quote unquote your lifestyle, because I think a lot of parents out there are in that kind of dilemma where they might, they might really right, want to stand by their child as in they, they love them, but they feel that they have to reject them because of their um, religious ethical notions or a bunch of all kinds of different things, cultural and yeah, inhibitions. I, I would say, well, I mean, the first obvious answer is tell your kid you love them no matter what. Right. That would be the first thing. I would say find a P flag group and meet 
other parents who are in a similar situation to you. I think support groups, support networks are extremely important. Uh, especially as someone in the LGBTQ plus community, I can tell you that we make more found family than any other group. So I think finding people who are understanding and who are in a similar boat with you is very important. Um, you know, I have people who come to PFLAG the day after their kid tells them. And I have people who come to PFLAG two years after their kid tells them, you know, there's no, there's no right time to start finding support. There's no right or wrong time. I would say the sooner the better, to be honest, but you know, if, if it's been two years or more and you're still, you know, you still have that little bit of you that's struggling or even a lot of bit of you that's struggling, I would say find a chapter, find a support group. I'm going to say people can contact me. They can come to my group. It doesn't matter if you're from New York. It doesn't matter if you're on Long Island. It doesn't, I, I will take you. Um, what, what does PFLAG stand for? Do you mind? Um, so PFLAG, that? yes, sorry. PFLAG traditionally stood for parents and friends of lesbians and gays. However, now it is just called PFLAG. And, you know, they, they now support obviously everyone in the LGBTQ plus community, plus uh, all of their loved ones and allies. Um, so uh, it's, it is a national organization that has chapters all over the United States. And I can say most of us without dating the episode too much are meeting virtually mm -hmm. uh, currently. And um, it's, it's a great way to start. My other piece of advice, which I say at my group all the time, is be honest with your kid. If you are struggling, you are allowed to tell them that. Your kids need to know that you're human. Your kids mm. need to know that adults don't always have it together. Mm. Kids grow up with this unrealistic view that adults yes. are just fine all the time and everything is fine and they're managing and they always you know, maybe not always, but they usually like have money for that candy you want at the store or this kids are raised to believe that once they hit a certain age, they're going to have their shit together. Mm. They need to know that that's not true. They, they, they're looking for a future that doesn't exist. So my, my main thing that I preach is be honest with your kids. If you're struggling, tell them, don't say, you know, I can't deal with you right now. But say, this is new to me and I'm learning and I'm trying to do all that I can to learn about you and your identity that you've now shared with me and ask them how they knew or ask them what they read. You know, well, what did you, okay. Cause kids sometimes, especially young teenagers at this point will say, well, it's not my job to educate you, mom. Okay. Yeah, I hear that a lot. I was going to ask Every, you about that. Everybody take a step <laughs> back, right? And I will be the first one to tell this 14-year-old, you need to chill. <laughs> I will be the first one to tell them they need to chill out. I will be the first one to tell them that they are not getting surgery tomorrow. I will be the first one to tell them that, you know, their, their ideas of the next six months of their life is unrealistic. I will be the first one to tell them that they need to be nicer to their parents. 
I have no problem doing that. But a good thing to do could be to say, I don't want you to, if they come at you, especially like that, I'm not asking you to educate me. I'm, I'm asking you to share maybe some resources with me, or is there a blog that you read that you identified with, you know, that resonated with you because I will read it. Is there a book that you found? Is there a website that you go to? Is there a podcast that you listen to? Is there a specific YouTube coming out video that you watched and said, oh, well, this is how I have to tell my parents or you know, some YouTuber that you follow that talks about these things because they're out there. These kids are not getting their information from nowhere. We're all on the internet all the time. You know, and I distinctly remember a time where I did not have a cell phone because they didn't exist pretty much. Or if they did, they were the size of a cinder block. Okay. <laughs> to, to almost seemingly overnight, I had the internet in my pocket. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was a very, very fast transition. So I think asking your kid what resonates with them or what maybe what website you can go to, ask them for these things. They, I promise you they have them. I promise. If, if they don't share them with you, that's up to them, right? But they, I promise you they have it. And the more open and honest you are about, I'm dealing with this, but I'm struggling, or I'm having difficulty understanding specifically X, Y, and Z, or I'm concerned about you taking hormones because I don't know enough about them, but I know that they mm. change your body. And I'm, I'm, as a parent, it's my job to worry, and they're going to make a face at that. They always will. But you can tell them, you know, as your parent, it's my, my job now, at least until you're 18, but really for the rest of your life, to watch out for you and be afraid for you. That's my job. So if you tell them I'm struggling with something specific, right? If all you say is, is I can't handle this, or I'm struggling with your whole life right now, that doesn't help anybody. That doesn't foster conversation. That doesn't open a door that doesn't, you know, give them a chance to explain themselves. So I always would have rather someone had told me that they were having trouble than pretend that they were fine and then mess up my pronoun and then apologize for 20 minutes. That's not, that's not what I want. And that's not what any of us want. If you, if you make a mistake in a pronoun, just fix it and move on. That's my other piece of advice. Fix it, move on. Don't draw attention to it. Don't go on and on about it. Just say the right, th- oh, sorry, she, oh, move on. That's it, continue your sentence. Oh, sorry, Aiden, move on. You know, you don't even, if you don't even say sorry, I, I'd rather you just say it, you know, Aiden. Okay, move on, that's it. But I would say, be honest with your kids. That's, I tell all of my parents that. All of my parents are, well, I don't know how to talk to them. I don't know how to, tell them that. Say that exact, you know, they'll come to me and say, well, I don't know how to tell them that I'm, I'm struggling, but I'm still there for them. I said, you should say that exact sentence to them. Have you said that to them? Have you said that? Well, no, I haven't said that. Maybe you should try it. Because they're, I understand that they're, they're young and you, you know, parents generally tend to think it's a phase, right? So a big thing with phases is that they don't last, right? Mm-hmm. You have a kid who's really into horses. It was me. And I remember, oh my gosh, flashback, they, <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, I, went to, I, I rode horses for like 14 years. I mean, it's still a big yeah. passion, but you know, you have, you have things that are, you have that kid who's really into Legos for like a month, right? You buy them the Lego sets and then they never touch them again. And they sit in a bucket and it was, you know, first of all, that, that does two things. You give them the chance to experiment 
and see if it is something that they like. And then they get to decide if they do or do not. And it also tells you that, you know, that was a phase because they stopped. Now they may come back to that later in life. You know, Sarah loves Legos. She just loves Legos and the, the <laughs> like the 200 piece Gundams that you build and all that. She loves all that stuff. But the thing we talk about, especially with younger kids and with younger people in the community is consistence, persistence, insistence. So these are three things that we talk about a lot. And what I will usually tell people is get a calendar. Doesn't have to hang on the wall. Could be your own private little 2020 planner that, you know, fits in your, in your bag or in your desk or something, you know, and mark the days where this, whatever it is, comes up, right? You try to dress them, they throw a tantrum. We have a, a five-year-old asking, well, when am I going to grow a penis? You mark the calendar, Okay. Why does, why does my, you know, and I'm sure that kids with siblings ask, well, why does my brother have a penis? And I don't, but that fixation, you know, that, that, because that's what they know. That's what gender is to them. Gender is, you know, kindergarten cop, boys have a penis, girls have a vagina. That is it. That's what kids know. Right. So this fixation, this, this consistence and persistence about things that are related to their gender or who they are attracted to, you mark these things down on the calendar. When you have multiple days over multiple months of these things, this is not a phase. This is no longer a phase. This is a, this is part of who they are. And this is part of what they're exploring. And this is something that they are consistently, consistence, thinking about and constantly asking about and constantly referring back to and showing, you know, displaying behavior as these are things that you keep track of. You see the pattern, you know, you'll have parents say, well, it's, it's a phase. Then you ask them to think back to the first time and they'll say, oh, well, it was, it must've been two years ago. It's not a phase anymore. Yeah. You're past, you're way past that point. You know, you have, I have a, I have a, I had a four-year-old saying, I wish that God would kill me so I could wake up as a girl. This is not something that four-year-olds say right? <laughs> this is not something that, that, you know, people, you know, kids who are solidified in their, their gender identity, which people think, oh, well, they're too young for that. They're not, they're not. First of all, you're asking when the six month old, you're saying the six month old is going to be a lady killer. Okay. First of all. Yeah. <laughs> so don't come at me with preconceived notions that children don't know things about themselves because mm. you've been putting that, you've been putting that on them since before they could talk. So that pattern of, you know, is it a phase? Is it not a phase is very big with parents. Parents usually will jump right to, well, it's a phase. So I have people who show up on my PFLAG meetings who will say things like, it's just a phase. And I will say, how long has it been happening? And they will say, well, it's kind of been a while. And then I have to, you know, describe this, this whole thing to them. And especially with people who have younger kids, they, they like the calendar system because they can really, you could see it. It's the visual representation of, you know, three months ago on this date, you know, she said this thing and now it's three months later, she said it again. She's not letting go of this, you know, whatever it is. So that's a big part of, you know, parents and teaching their kids young and, you know, and I guess analyzing really, really focusing on their kids and trying to teach them, you know, cause like my mom at 12 years old, I think I'm bisexual. No, you're not. You know, what did that do for me? That didn't open a conversation. 
Mm. That didn't, that didn't open any kind of chance for exploration or, well, why do you feel that way? Well, what are you thinking? Well, you know, there was none of that. There was just a shutdown. So I think opening up that door with your kids, even if they're young, you know, try and find a way to open up that conversation with them. If you think it's something that should be discussed, you know, if you have teenagers that just won't talk to you, that's teenagers. But hopefully if they know that the door is there and open and you continue to be honest with them, you know, it, it will hopefully help to foster some sort of conversation and understanding. Thank you for saying that. Cause I've actually never heard anyone describe the calendar thing. And that's such a practical thing to tell parents to do. I'm always looking for practical, <laughs> like someone give me something practical as a parent. Cause I, you know, there's no, there's no book on how to parent and particularly well, with subjects like that. I think it's really hard when a four-year-old says something like that to you as a parent, like dealing oh, with she, that. She came to PFLAG immediately. And she already wow. had, she had a 14 year old from a previous marriage. So her kid said that. And then her boyfriend was like, I don't know if I can handle this. And she was like, there's the door. Good I did one. Her. I did one without you. I will do it again. She said, you know, he went, he went for about a half an hour walk. He came back. He said, okay, I'm in, let's do this. You know, but wow. she said, I'm not, that's my kid. That's my four-year-old. If you think I'm choosing you over my four-year-old, you're, you're out of your mind. Um, but hey, I mean, mama, re- hey. <laughs> but realistically, right? Realistically, right now, again, to date the episode, it still feels like March. Mm. So to think that your kid is displaying behavior for X amount of time, the human brain gets rid of time. The human brain, right? It happen- Things happen, and then the human brain says, forget about that. You, you don't need that, right? Oh, and especially time between events. You know, people have, most people have trouble remembering when, like, you'll say, oh, this came out 20 years ago. People say, oh my God, has it been 20 years since X came out? You know, that, that concept of time in the past for the human brain is very difficult to navigate. So you'll have a kid who's displaying these things for long periods of time and you won't even really realize that. Yeah. Yeah. I also wanted to read a statistic that I read that was terrifying to me and I just wanted to get your feedback on it. So it comes from Human Rights Campaign website, and it says more than half of transgender male teens participated in the survey reported attempting suicide, attempted suicide in their lifetime, while 29.9% of transgender female teens said they attempted suicide. Among non-binary youth, 41.8% of respondents stated that they had attempted suicide at some point in their lives. And that was absolutely heartbreaking to me and i guess could you yeah, just they're, go into they're high numbers extremely high extremely yeah. high i mean i was I, in my actually my husband who was reading over this notes his first question was why do you think um it's so much higher for transgender males than it is for transgender females oh boy um i i am gonna speak to this but i am gonna preface by saying that this is all speculation mm-hmm. and it's just my opinion right out of the gate. So right out of the gate is that I think, oh boy, it's so difficult because I, I, I think that there's a lot going on here in this, in this, I, I, I haven't checked this specifically. I'd love to know 
their age range. We're saying transgender male mm. teens, but I'd love to know how old they are when they're answering this question. Mm. Um, I would I would probably say it is. Jeez, oh, I, I don't I I don't even want to say I don't know. My first gut feeling is that it's it's harder for girls to when you're let's say hypothetically that you are I, you're assigned female at birth you live your life as a, a woman until you're well we're saying teens until you're 12 13 right you have a friend group maybe you even have a few lesbian friends you're all the same age right you're all lesbians and then you realize that you're a transgender it is not uncommon for women who are lesbians and in lesbian, you know, friend groups to then cast out that person because they are no longer a, a woman. Mm. In ah, eyes. yes. Okay. I've heard of a lot of issues with this recently. Actually, there are, I will say there are, there are tons of issues inside the LGBTQ plus community. It is not the happy-go-lucky bubble that people may think it is. There's a lot, there's a lot of exclusion. There's a lot of phobia. There's a lot of people who are trans meds, which means they, they believe that in order for you to truly be transgender, you have to fully biologically transition. They believe wow. that if you are not dysphoric about your body, you are not trans enough, quote unquote. There's a lot of that. There's a lot of, of people within the community that exclude people who identify as bisexual because they, they believe, you know, pick a side. It's, it's rampant. Um, so the, the community is not necessarily a great place. I, I will say, I think a lot of people think when women transition to men that they're doing it for power mm. and they're doing it for, to be in a better place, quote unquote, in society that they're, they're trying to gain that male privilege. All of this, by the way, is garbage. <laughs> uh, but I, I do think that there is a perception that people, you know, people do it because they, they want to be a man. They want to, it's like, it, it's garbage. <laughs> it's all garbage. I'm sorry. It just, I will say that I think the numbers are high, maybe not specifically, you know, trans men to trans women, but I, th I think the numbers are high due to lack of support. There, there was a, a 2015 study done uh, of questions like this, where people were, you know, the, the percentages were different because this is probably more recent than the 2015. The numbers were different, but it was essentially like people who had a support system, the numbers were lower. People whose parents accepted them numbers were lower. Now, no surprise, right? But also there were numbers of like the number of people who experience discrimination from a medical provider, that number skyrocketed because a lot of people who are trans, medical transition is a big hope for them. Medical transition is a way where they, you know, they say, well, I can finally have my body match 
my mind or match, you know, how I feel internally. So to go to a provider um, and to get, you know, denied by them or to get discriminated towards from them, it can be extremely detrimental because they kind of, you know, especially if they've already had their parents quote unquote, cast them out or throw them out or literally throw them out. You know, that's not uncommon either. Most more, more homeless teens are from the LGBTQ plus community than any other demographic. So parents are still throwing out their kids. That's not, you know, that's not news. So, you know, but then to have to be thrown out and then to go to a provider and try, you know, I'm 18, I can start hormones, blah, blah, blah. And then they go to an endocrinologist and the endocrinologist says, no, that was their lifeline. That was their big hope, you know, and then to be told no, just completely kills all of that. You know, that can be that that can be extremely detrimental. Yeah, because now they probably feel like they sacrificed everything. And there's nowhere to go. Right. They sacrificed their family. They lost their family. Maybe they lost friends. Maybe they're, you know, sleeping on the street or they're in a homeless shelter. They finally get, you know, enough money or whatever to go see a provider. And the provider says no. And it's like everything just comes crashing down around them, you know, and that's, that's, that can be an absolute devastation to people. Um, I also would, my, my other comment about this is that the non-binary youth is pretty high as well. And I, yeah. I think, I think that goes back to the fact that we live in such a binary society that people mm-hmm. who are non-binary and or gender fluid and or agender feel like they don't fit in anywhere. They may feel, you know, that there's nowhere for them or that, you know, society does not accept them and they are judged everywhere they go because they're, they're buying, you know, whatever clothes or whatever makeup products or whatever, you know, but they're, they probably feel like they're, they're getting judged by society all the time because it feels like society is not accepting towards non-binary people. I mean, I know personally that this has changed over a decade. I can tell you that the, the world is, and I'm sure you notice it, is very different than how it was 10 years ago. Oh, yeah. um, and I think that's, that's partially because of, you know, the work that a lot of us have been doing mm-hmm. um, and kind of picked up that torch and tried to run with it. And the kids, the kids are much better than we are. You know, of course, these numbers are high and I, I'm not discounting that. But, you know, when you have that four-year-old who starts the school year as, you know, uh, uh, as a, a boy and then shows up as a girl and says, well, you know, I, instead of Michael, I'm Michaela now, I, I can almost guarantee you, I've seen it happen. The entire class of children are like, okay, end of, end of story. Okay. Do you want to, well, Mikhail, your dress is really cute. Or do you want to come play with us? like on the girls' side, because they split playtime at some schools between girls and boys, again, more binary, but they'll, they immediately, it's, it's a non-issue. It's a non-issue for these kids. And, and especially, you know, there was a statistic like one in three teenagers in, you know, California or whatever, in California schools are question, they're questioning their sexual identity is, well, I don't know because I haven't tried anything yet. You know, I haven't, I haven't done anything with boys or girls or anyone else, you know, or anyone who's non-binary or not 
a, a gender, gender fluid, gender queer. I, I haven't done anything. I have had no sexual experience at all. I'm 12. Um, I don't know how I feel, you know? And it's like one in three kids that will say that on anonymous surveys, you know, they're not going to raise their hand in class probably because it's still middle school and high school, Yeah. But when, you know, <laughs> anonymous surveys or on the internet or whatever, one in three of them are saying, I'm questioning, I'm going to pick questioning because I don't know yet, you know, and that's huge. That's a huge number compared to where we were, you know, 10, 15 years ago in, in high school. It's a huge number. I don't think anybody, I, I don't think even 10 people in, in Limburg High School 15 years ago would have said that. I think I, these numbers are way too high. And until we put more work in, you know, and, and keep going with this and do what we can, they're going to be high. You know, I'm in that, I'm in that number. I'm the, I'm in there. Yeah. You know, I, I that's I think uh planning and have everything ready and giving my friend giving my things away to my friends and being ready, I I would probably check off that I I would I attempted. I would have done it. Yes, I would definitely So put you there. it's 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 a lot. It's a lot. And plus, you know, it's you're too much. You're one a teenager. is too much. Yeah, one, one is too one much. is too much. One is yeah. I I agree. I definitely agree. I don't know what it's going to take to get us there. You know, I'll, I'll adopt all of them. I don't care. <laughs> you know what? It, I actually, I really believe that. I believe you would be like 101 Dalmatians, you know, where I'll they get the farm yep. in the end. <laughs> I would love that. I would absolutely love that. But yeah, I, I think that uh, obviously one is too many, but that I, I really, really would hope that with everything that's happening that number would go down. Now, another thing I would love to see is if they recorded ethnicity because the 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 number among people of color is so much higher. So much higher. And that's for I mean, we could go on for to, for hours, but that you know, that's that is something that I would be interested in seeing too because, you know, people don't white people see these numbers and they say, Oh my God, how tragic, you know, not realizing that it's, it's probably mostly people of color because they're, they're so, they just, they have it so much harder than us. And I just, it drives me insane. Again, we could go on for hours about that, but I, I you're going to have to come back. Uh, I <laughs> this whole might be a, a, a part one and part two. You I would love we've to been talking for three hours. <laughs> I know. And we, we, there's things I'm sure we haven't even gotten to. I know. I know. I actually skipped a couple of questions. Um, but I just, I've gotten, you know, personally so much from this and man, Aiden, it was so nice to have you here today. It was so nice. And I actually, I hope that this rekindles our friendship a little bit. I would love to stay in contact with you and get to know Sarah a little bit. And yeah. Um, yeah, you know, I would love that. This was great. Yeah. We don't even have to, we don't have to record. We can just hang out. Yeah, that would be nice. <laughs> we, do, we do whatever you want. I'm, I'm down. I don't have kids, so it's all up to you. <laughs> um, but I did, I'm starting a little um, tradition that at the end of interviews, just to lighten up because a lot of them are pretty intense, um, that we do something called Zap questions. So I'm going to read you 15 things and you tell me the first thing that comes to mind. Oh no, I'm terrible at these. <laughs> I think way too much. Okay. All right. All right. I'm ready. All right. You ready? Yes. 
Long Island. Ice tea. Lord of the Rings. <laughs> oh, there's so much. Uh, pro- probably marathons with JoJo. Yeah. <laughs> Blue. Favorite color. Monkeys. San Diego Zoo. <laughs> Pumpkin pie. I will eat the entire thing myself. Don't come near me. <laughs> Family matters. Uh, great show. Art. Uh, something I just recently started within the past two years, and I'm still terrible at it, but I'm trying. <laughs> the Spice Girls. So much. So m- <laughs> I, okay. Okay. First, first thing, honestly, first thing, my dad blasts them when he cleans the house. No way. A hundred percent. My dad loves <gasps> the Spice Girls. He loves them. Love- <laughs> he tells me every time I thought of you, I thought of you as cleaning the house. I was playing Spice Girls. Promise. Oh my gosh. That makes my life. That yeah. gives me life. <laughs> yeah. It's great. <laughs> Oh my gosh, no way. No I'm t- way. I, I promise we could call him right now. <laughs> I will put him on speaker. Oh no, he's away. He's hunting this weekend. Uh, I will get it for you. Please do. Please do. <laughs> I will get I will get you the audio. I promise. This is so amazing. Okay. Documentary. Uh the 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 one about the guy from Price is Right. Oh. Ireland. The player, the player who knew too much. Oh, Ireland. Half of my heart is still there. I want to go back. <laughs> Dolly Parton. Her hair is too big. Birthday. <laughs> uh, Sarah and her mom have the same birthday and her mom's coming to visit for it. Oh, cool. Black Mirror. Never seen it. What? Oh my gosh. Opera. Uh... I, I'm so bad at this. First, first thing I think of, uh, Sarah did, Sarah did opera. Um, she worked operas in, uh, at purchase for school, like technical direction. She managed them. She hated them. And yet we have posters for two of them on the wall. <laughs> and final one is pizza. Only New York. Everybody yes! else, everybody else. I knew else. you were going to say it. I knew it. When I wrote it, I was like, he's gonna say it's only from new york only new york <laughs> only new- everybody everybody here a new york's pizza i said yeah, yeah. we'll find out yeah <laughs> it never is never pizza and I'm bagels dying. only new york <laughs> it's true everyone it's else true. stop trying just and stop. no it's so true and pennsylvania is so bad with it it's so bad and in chinese food too i find like yep yes right i told you we have tried so many chinese places here in vegas and it's like no it's all it's all not the same i can't do it yeah those are the there are four things when i uh there are five things when i go back to new york there are things that i get the first is a coffee from limbrook bagels (laughs) second is a bagel from limbrook bagels (laughs) i get uh pizza from angelina's I get um, Chinese food from, there's like three or four places, but mostly we go to So Far So Good. Love So Far So Good. Oh, they're great. And then the last thing that I get is a bindi from the Green Deli over on, uh, oh my goodness. (laughs) It is 
Chicken cutlet. I forget the type of cheese. I think it's provolone. Bacon. Russian dressing. On like a hero. <laughs> I wish they Let could me see tell your you, face right now. <laughs> I have tried to recreate this thing. I have tried to order it at other delis, even in New York. Never the same. Only the Green Deli. It's the only place you can get it. I'm going to have to try it, it next day. Bindi, Bindi at the Green Bindi. Deli. Go to a bit. Just text me. I'll send you the address. I'll okay. put, I'll call them <laughs> and place the order for you. And all you have to do is walk in and pick it up. Okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it next time. That's really it. Am. You need a Bindi and you need a 99 cent Arizona iced tea. That is what you need. Mm, wow, you're definitely from Long Island. Holy cow. You said Long Island. <laughs> I said iced tea. I was I was not only thinking about the drink. I was actually thinking about we used to we used to chug like a quarter of it and then fill the rest with booze and walk around with oh, it. Oh yeah. I yeah, that was a really big thing for a while. <laughs> yep. But Aiden, thank you so much for coming. I can't tell you like how um, how much I appreciate you and coming on and sharing so much of your life, uh, so many intimate details that I know I know is going to make a difference for someone who listens to it. So thank you, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I I I would love to do another one, whether it's about me or about whatever. I'm. I'm here, but yeah, I'm willing, I'm willing to, to go through some of any other questions that you had that we skipped. I mean, whatever, whatever you want, we can do a part two, but yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me. And I was happy to be here. This was great. Thank you so much. Thanks, Aiden. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Definitely Human. Join us next week for an interview with musical performer and teacher, Alyssa Oropalo. To find out more about Aiden Kirchheim or this podcast, please follow us at Definitely Human Podcast on Instagram. Have a great week.